0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. There are many truths in the Word of God that encourages us, and one truth that encourages us is the realization that God is in control. You know, God has been and will be in control all the time. And there is nothing in this world that God does not know about, and the things that occur every day in our lives does not just happen by chance, but by God's divine will. For example, I think about Job 26, verse 7, just thinking... Scientifically tonight, the Bible says he stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Now, this is before modern science, before we started orbiting the earth, before we started, uh, in any sense, plan to go travel to moon. And uh, in the inspiration of the scripture, Job knew by God's revelation that the earth hangs upon nothing. And who is in control of that is our almighty God. And that's not by chance, my friend, but by God's sovereign power. And he is the one that holds the earth above nothing, even today. And he is the one that is holding our planet. I think about Psalm 104 as well, if you look at... Verse 6 in the uh, uh, screen with me here, and I believe uh, there it is. In verse 6, it says, Thou coverest it with the deep as with the garment. The water stood above the mountains, and at thy rebuke they fled, at the voice of thy thunder they hasted away. Now, in the context, the Bible is referring to the flood. It's talking about how, you know, the water uh, went above the mountain and at God's rebuke and God's sovereign plan, the flood became uh, 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 descended and then uh, uh, we see the mountain coming forth and then, of course, we know how Noah landed upon Mount Ararat. In verse 8, look what it says. They go up by the mountains, they go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. In verse 9, thou hast set a bound. That they may not pass over, that they turn not again to cover the earth. And have you ever been to the ocean? It's amazing. And it's amazing how the water comes forth and also goes back, and that the water never exceeds over to the land. And, and for many uh, uh, centuries and even thousands of years, men have inhabited different continents, and that water has never gone over, and that flood never happened again, according to Scripture and by God's promise. And who is in control of all of that? It's God Almighty. It's God Almighty. And uh, he is the one that holds the water into one place. The reason why the ocean is not passing over to cover all of us is not because of chance or by Mother Earth, but because of our Heavenly Father. I think about Matthew chapter 10, verse 29. It's in the screen as well. It says, Are not two sparrows, sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your Father and I'm sure many of you have seen birds, and I was passing by the 405 with Brother Steve picking up some items for the garage sale that we had yesterday, and, and I'm sure many of you uh, 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 noticed uh, uh, the, uh, the golf, uh, I guess, uh, uh, place uh, nearby the 405 and, and the junction right there on the 110, and, and the golf place over there or the golf course be, is becoming or is now uh, turning into a racetrack and. And uh, if you ever seen the, 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 the golf figure that it used to be, they, cha- it, they, cha- it, it, they, they changed its clothes to a NASCAR clothes. It's not that that was very funny. And uh, I mean, the thing is about, I think, uh, good like uh, uh, 20 feet high, and then they're able to change the clothes for that. It's really funny. And instead of holding a golf club, he's holding a little uh, NASCAR flag now. But anyways, if you pass that, it's very humor- humorous. But as I looked at the land, they're digging up some dirt, and it's amazing, there's a pool of water, and there are hundreds, hundreds of seagulls just habitating that place. It's pretty gross, to be honest with you, and I don't know what they do there, but they're just kind of habitating that place, and then, and uh, next thing you know, you know, uh, maybe bulldozer will come and kill all of them, and then you'll see a uh, NASCAR racetrack, I'm not sure, but anyways, uh, 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 that's what's happening, and, and as I saw those birds, amazing how God feeds them, and God takes care of them, and, and God, in every sense, knows uh, when they will die, and when and when uh, a young one will bring forth life, and, and God is in control of that. I remember another time uh, I was uh, 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 in the office and, and uh, my wife came along. I think two other t- young people, Andy, uh, who's having tutoring here at the church and even Enoch, they came, they came to the office and said, oh, there's a bird uh, that is uh, 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 fallen because he's trying to go through the youth room window. And the thinking that it was open, you know, it just ran right into it. And uh, I've seen that before in our church. And we do have a lot of windows here, even the skies, uh, uh, skylights that in the, that's in the fellowship hall in the other room. And by the way, you know why we have those? Because this church used to be a Lutheran church. And even the, uh, the design of the building, they wanted to uh, uh, in somewhat uh, replicate it or, uh, uh, you know, picture uh, Noah's Ark, Okay. And that's why we have windows here everywhere we see and they're trying to have the lights come in like maybe Noah's Ark or something like that. And, uh, but anyway, that's why we have windows and uh, we have a lot of birds come through and just smack themselves on the window. And then uh, they usually uh, uh, get weak on the ground and then they start you know, uh, uh, taking some deep breath and then after a while it just flies away, maybe after 30 minutes or so. But uh, as I saw that bird, and I saw that it was alive, it's okay, it'll fly away. And then, uh, I think two weeks later, I went to the spot where the bird was, and that bird was still there, but dead. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's a shocker for all of us, right? Okay, are you all shocked? Okay, I was shocked. And, uh, and no ants were there, and no, you know, possum came along to snatch them away to eat them. And uh, thank God for possums around. They must eat something around here, and that takes care of the cleaning. But anyways, uh, uh, I, 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 I kind of uh, put it away. And when I was putting that bird away, throwing it in the trash can out here, I was thinking about this verse, too, and, I was thinking about how God knew about that sparrow falling on the ground. And, uh, man, that's how God's sovereignty is, and God is in full control of everything, and, and he knows what's going to happen, and that's what Jesus Christ is talking about here. God is, God is in control of creation and also even the creatures of the earth. And uh, I think about Psalm 145 in verse 14. The Bible says, The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raises up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season." Thou openest thy hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. You know, uh, whatever we eat, whenever we eat, it's because God provides that for us and uh, every meat that we receive and every living thing that gets fed as to in all the earth does not happen by chance. God is the one who is in control. I'm simply saying with all the scripture I just shared just a moment ago, that our God up in heaven knows what he is doing, and he is almighty that manages and directs everything in this life. And as we read just a moment ago, I read to you again in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. By this verse, we know that all things work together for how? Good. All things work together for good. Why? God is in control. In the past, when I read this verse, I just thought about all the trials and all the bad things and the heartaches in my life, and I always thought about that instead of the good things that occurred in my life, and uh, you know, sometimes we try to sympathize ourselves and thinking about our trials all the time, and we try to comfort ourselves with the scripture, and there's nothing wrong with that, and I think in the context, we see that's what the Bible is talking about, but the Bible says not just the bad things and also the terrible things, but also the good things. The good things. And uh, and thank God, our Jesus Christ gives us good things to enjoy. And not only do we need to think about the bad things that happen in our lives, but let's think about the good things, how God is, was in control to give you that spouse that uh, that is faithful to you. God has given you children, and God has given you a job, and God has given you a career, and God has given you education, and God has given you a godly family. Hey, those things are not, are, are not Not just the result by chance or by the will of man, but it's by the will of God and we ought to always be grateful to the Lord, for he does all things for good. And if you're going through some tough time, maybe you're struggling with your job, oh, I want you to know all things work together for good. If you're going through a trial, all things work together for good. Do you have a wonderful spouse that you have and, and that you love? Good things might be, or even family. If you have a church that you enjoy and love, hey, all things work together for good. And uh, let's mark it Down in your heart and engrave it deep down in your soul to recognize that God does not make a mistake. Thank God for that. And you could trust Him. And you could love him even more because he never does. Whether that be bad or good, God is in control. He knows all and he works all things together for good. Why do all things work together for good? And uh, I want to give you three divine reasons why everything works together for good to those that love God. Number one, let's think about his purpose tonight. His purpose. And the Bible says in verse uh, number 28, To them who are the called according to his purpose purpose. You know, we're saved according to his purpose and not by our own purpose. And in second Timothy chapter one, verse nine, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Thank God we're saved by grace and grace alone and that we're not pushing ourselves to, uh, you know, be approved of God. Hey, we have been already approved because of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, because we have trusted simply of the sacrifice of our Savior, and we do not trust in ourselves because we're imperfect, and we have come shorter already, and there's nothing good in us, but we have trusted that good work of our Savior Jesus Christ on the cross and we believe that he has cleansed all our sins away our past present and future and thank god he did so and not only that he was buried and he rose again the third day hey ladies and gentlemen we're saved by grace and grace alone and thank god it was his purpose not our own because if it was our own hey we would truly come short again Oh, thank God for his purpose tonight. All things work together for good as Christians because of his purpose and because of the purpose of salvation. If he saved us, I think he will take care of us in this earth and he will take care of us for all eternity. Amen. And uh, we ought to trust that. And it becomes better as we have this Christian life. It does not get worse. His purpose does not get worse for you. It becomes better. All, all things work together for good, not for the bad. And, uh, and as we think about our time previous, uh, 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 before salvation, all the things that we have done only resulted in condemnation and death. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 20, down to verse 22. And when we were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things where ye are not ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting. You see, God says whatever you're involved in before you met the Lord Jesus Christ, it was a waste. You were leading yourself to death, you were leading yourself to condemnation. Everything that you did was not good but bad. But now, since you're saved, you have the fruit of righteousness. Jesus Christ is in your heart, and Jesus Christ is encouraging you to do that which is good, to do that which is eternal, and to do the will of God. And thank God for this new life that we have. Now we truly have a purpose, not only just a purpose, but eternal purpose that will last forever. I shared with you in the greeting this morning, and uh, uh the... Uh, 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 the world passed the way and the lust thereof, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, the world passed away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Thank God, God's purpose is eternal and it will be remembered for all eternity. So be grateful that you're saved. And uh, be excited that you're saved. Hey, every day counts for the Lord Jesus Christ, and every day will be remembered. Every day is not a waste anymore, but it is a great investment for not your glory, but for the glory of our Savior. Oh, be grateful for that, my friend. Think about the purpose of God, think about his purpose, starting from salvation and all the way for all eternity and as we think about our salvation and the purpose that He has given us, hey, God never forsakes his own children. God never leaves his children in their journey. God never gives them misguided direction. God never gives them no purpose of life. I like what the Bible says in Philippians chapter one, verse six, being confident. Of this very thing, that he which begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That means God will stick with you. No matter what happens, you might question Him, you might be bitter at Him. Hey, God says, I still have work for you, and you're my work, you're my design, you're called according to my purpose, you're saved by my grace, and I will lead you in my grace, and I will perform that which I have purposed for you, and I will never give up on you. Thank God for that. Hey, you might give up on yourself, but Jesus Christ will never give up on you. And uh, you might give up on your family, but God's not going to give up on your family. And be encouraged by that. And that's why you can keep on going along. You might give up on your husband. Hey, God's not going to give up on your husband. You might give up on your children. But God's not going to give up on your children. You might give up on your future. But God will not give up on your future. Hey, stick with him because he's sticking with you. And uh, find his wonderful purpose in your life don't be so distressed don't be so discouraged i know that comes in our lives but be encouraged encourage yourself in the lord to realize that he knows what he is doing his purpose is true and that he'll never give up on you and uh, it is good work by the way it's not bad work that's what the bible says he which begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. It's not wasteful work. It's not useless work. It's not pointless work. But it's a good work. It's good in His sight. It's satisfactory in His sight. Because He saved you with this purpose. You are His child. You are His purpose now. For all God Almighty... When he works on us for his purpose, he never misses. I think about this illustration. One of God's ironic moments came when a, Scott man, uh, a Scottish man demonstrated a new game to President Ulysses Grant. And uh, uh, I'm sure many of you heard of him and the great general that won the Civil War for the North, carefully placing the ball on the tee, the Scottishman. He took a mighty swing, but unfortunately, the club did not hit the ball, only the turf. And, uh, and, and, and all the uh, scattered dirt came over to pre- president's beard and surrounding his vicinity. And again, the Scottishman swung, and again he missed. The president waited patiently through six tries and then quietly stated in curiosity to the Scottish man, there seems to be a fair amount of swinging and exercise, but I fail to see the purpose of the ball. And, uh, you know, as we think about that illustration, you know, God never misses anything in our lives. And when He has executed, hey, it will fulfill what He has purposed in His sovereign will. Oh, I want you to know there is a purpose for your existence, there is a purpose why you're here. And God will never miss upon uh, uh, what He wants to do with your life as long as you surrender, as long as you are yielded to God. I believe that you feel the fulfillment in knowing that God is doing something great. And uh, are you discouraged today? Think of his purpose. Are you disappointed about your life? Think about his purpose. Are you having a, even a great time in your life? You're joyous. Hey, don't pat yourself on the back. Think about his purpose. And if everything's going well in your family life, realize it's because of his purpose. Oh, think about the bad. Think about the good. But realize that all things work together. For good, not because of our purpose, because of his purpose. Not only that, not only second uh, purpose, but we have this predestination. Predestination. The Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be comforted, uh, comforted to the image of his son. Why do all things work together for good? Not only because of his purpose, because of his predestination. What does that mean? Are you talking about election and salvation, that God chooses people to be saved and God chooses people to be condemned? No, I don't believe that from the scripture at all. And I heard about how some people could be so confused and it could bring great division in Christianity. And a story is told of a group of theologians who were discussing the tension between predestination and free will. Okay, And predestination meaning, hey, God chooses people to be saved and God chooses people to go to hell. But there are people, of course, as we are, we believe in free will and people who receive Christ and people who reject Christ. And by that they have uh, somewhat uh, committed themselves to uh, 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 two categories of eternity. Number one, eternal life, you receive Christ your Savior. And eternal death, if you have rejected Jesus Christ your Savior. And so, the uh, two parties of theologians were discussing this. And things became so heated that the group broke up into two opposing factions. But one man, not knowing which to join, stood for a moment trying to decide. At last, he joined the predestination group. Who sent you here? They asked, and trying to figure out where he stands. No one sent me. The man replied, I came of my own free will. Free will, they exclaimed. You can't join us. You belong with the other group. And we don't believe in free will here. And then so he followed their orders and went to the other, uh, uh, I guess, other group. And there's someone asked, when did you decide to join us? The young man replied, well, I didn't really decide. I was sent here. Sent here, they shouted. You can't join us unless you have decided by your own free will. And so the man was very confused, and we no, not predestination or free will, what group to belong in. And I'm just simply saying tonight, predestination uh, could, could truly be confusing if you explain it the wrong way. But I believe biblically, it's not referring to God's choice of salvation, but God's choice of sanctification and the result of salvation. If you go to the next slide, let's look at the scripture. It says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So who is he writing right now to? He's writing to Christians, isn't he? And he is referring to not the process of salvation, but the result of salvation, right? Okay, if you go to the next one. According as he had chosen us in him... Before the foundation of the world. And that's where people try to mix you up, thinking God has chosen you, and God has chosen you. And uh, God has separated these two groups, and uh, it was God's choice, and, and that's why you're saved, and that's why some people are not. And, but if you've got to look further on in the context, that we should be, what? Holy and without blame before him in love. Okay, God chose us so that we could be, what? Holy and without blame and before him in love. You go to the next one. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So as we think about this verse, of course, he's talking to a Christian. He's talking about the result of salvation. Yes, God chose people to be holy and to be without blame because... They will receive Christ as their personal Savior. And God has predestinated them to be his children. All right? That is a result of it all. So, with that in mind, let's look at Titus chapter 1, according to the slide here. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the... What's the next word there? Faith. Not predestination. Faith of God's what? elect we're God's elect and we have what faith and acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness so God calls those who are elected and says you're my elect according to what by our faith you see that And many people try to say, oh, God has chosen you to be saved. It's not because of your faith, but God has chosen you. No, it's because of your faith that God has chosen you to be his children, and God has chosen you in his love, and God foreknew all that, and he predestined you to be holy and to be godly and without blame before him. So do not get mixed up when somebody says, hey, God has... Uh, condemn these groups of people ready to go to hell so they can never have salvation, and these people are saved. No, uh, they, if that was the case, then God is to be blamed. God is not at fault here, but is the simpleness of mankind who has rejected him. And we got to understand that, my friend. So, I just want to give you some doctrinal stand concerning predestination. I believe predestination has to do with your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and by that, He predestinated you to be His children, and also by that, God has. Giving you that election and saying, you're my elect, you've been set apart to me. And I believe it's a result, not in any sense, uh, 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 of uh, the process of salvation. And uh, so as we think about this truth in our text, Paul calls us to the attention of predestination. And he says, we are predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. Who's his son? Jesus Christ. So we are to be more like who? Jesus. That's what the Bible says there. And we are predestinated, God. Before the foundation of the world, hey, these people would trust me as my, as, as, as their personal savior, and, and they're gonna be God's leg, and not only that, in this process of sanctification, this process of being my child, being my children, they will be more like Jesus Christ. And they need to be staying away from the world, they need to be more like Jesus Christ, and that, that's what predestination means in the context here. So, and I hope you don't get sick of our model of our church, more like Jesus. Let's say it together, more like Jesus. I hope you don't get sick about that. And I hope that challenges you every time you read that. And every time you read, you, you always quote it in your heart as well. I know I have covered this ground many times, but our pastor's heart, our senior pastor's heart, and this is my heart as well. Every time we see that motto up there, I need to question myself. I hope I'm thinking like him. I hope I'm acting like him. I hope I'm reacting like him. I hope I'm loving like Jesus. I hope I am in every sense, of perceiving the world like Jesus. I hope I am separated like Jesus. I hope I am talking like Jesus. And I hope I am faithful like Jesus. You see, the greatest goal is not found in the church house, but I believe the greatest goal is found up there in beholding our Savior, Jesus Christ. And let us make sure we see that focal point. You know what Christians are doing when things happen in their lives is that they're not conforming to the image of Jesus. They're conforming to the image of the world. I, really, I want to encourage you, no matter what happens, realize that God has given you that cycle of trial. God has given you that cycle of joy and also even time of rejoicing so that you could be more like Jesus Christ. And do not, son, come to the world. Be careless. I think about Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Which side are you conforming when things go wrong? Are you becoming more like Jesus, or are you becoming more like the world? Are you thinking more like Jesus, or are you thinking more like the world? You see, all things work together for good. That means... God wants you to be in that place at that time, not so that you could become more like your old self or develop your own self or try to prove your own self. No, God wants you to be more like Jesus. That is the whole purpose of our lives. Think about the predestination of how we could be more like Jesus. I like the hymn, It says, O O to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. This is my constant prayer. Gladly I'll forfeit all earth treasures. Jesus, thy perfect likeness to wear. O to be like thee. O to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. Pure as thou art. Come in thy sweetness. Come in thy fullness. Stamp thine own image deep in my heart. How deep do you want the image of Jesus Christ in your heart? I think some Christians want it shallow. They don't want it truly deep. They want to just somewhat have it on the surface, but not truly deep down in our hearts. And uh, by the way, it really shows when you're going through trials, when you're in the dark. You see, the light is shining more when it is in darkness. And ladies and gentlemen, when you go through some dark time, hey, The testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, shine more. I hope it does that. And may you not shun it because you're ashamed of him. May you not shun it because in every sense you want to be more like the world. I like what David wrote in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says in Psalm 17, verse 15, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy what? Likeness, David said, I am not satisfied uh, with all the things I have received on this earth. I'll be truly satisfied when I am like him. And ladies and gentlemen, that is the greatest satisf- satisfaction of all. That is the greatest testimony that you could live for your children and for your grandchildren and for all your family and for your friends. That man of God, that woman of God was more like Jesus and uh, it was they were conforming to be more like our savior and that is the greatest testimony of all so with that in mind, not only predestination, but lastly, let's think about his provision. Verse 31 down to verse 32. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spareth not his own son, but deliver him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God be for us, who can be against us? I love verse 32. If God gave up his son to be on the cross for you, then why can he freely give you all things? If Christ was scourged for your salvation, think about that. If Christ was spit upon and mocked for your salvation, if Christ was nailed on the cross for your salvation, if Christ hung on the cross for those grueling hours for your salvation, why can He freely give you? Why can He freely give you all things to solve your problems, to meet your needs, to take care of your finances, and keep going in the grace that He provides? And when the truly tough gets going, you can keep on going in the grace. I just want to encourage you tonight, no matter what problem or trial that you might have today, no matter uh, 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 what complex uh, situation that you're in, hey, God is greater than all of that. He has called overcome the world. Greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Oh, encourage yourself in the Lord that way. Think about His provision. If He has provided you salvation, He could provide you sanctification and holiness and godliness and righteousness. He could find uh, uh, the finances that you need. He could find the help that you need. He could find all those things. I'm not saying that you'll find it right away. But I believe with all my heart that God will give you the faith. And also God will help you to encourage you to keep on going in this grace. So that you could truly be more like Jesus than ever before. To stop blaming the Lord for what He has not done. Provided for you. Start thanking the Lord in what He could do for you. Oh, let us make sure that we are not short-sighted because of the problems that we have, but we see truly the long and the wide perspective in what He can do. Is God' hand waxed short? Yes or no? No. By the way, God is the one that asked the question concerning that to Moses and god 's hands is not waxed short, and uh, I believe God is up there this evening he 's saying i don 't get it why don 't my children trust me? If they believe in me for eternal salvation, why don 't they believe that their families could be helped and, and uh, their problems could be helped? I think God is scratching his head and thinking, Why are my children, my children?" who choose to believe in me even though they didn't see me crucified, even they didn't see me, I, I rose again, and, and the resurrected body. They didn't see all that. They choose to believe in me, but now they're struggling in their faith to keep going in this, in this journey because of some problems in this temporary life. I think about Matthew chapter 7. I think it's in the slide, is it? If it's not, that's okay. I'll read for you. And uh, what, or what man is there of you, whom he asked son bread, if, if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? If he asked for fish, will he give him a serpent? If he then, being evil, know how to give good gifts, and uh, unto your children, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? And uh, the simple fact is, what Jesus Christ is saying is this. Uh, for example, uh, several years ago, when Annabelle was just Josiah's age, and and I was kind of working on my message, I think. It was around 11 o'clock at night. And I don't know why Annabelle wasn't sleeping. And, uh, but she came along to the kitchen. I was at the kitchen table working in the other apartment that I used to live in. And, and she came with the bowl. And she says, raisins, raisins, raisins. And I said, you want raisins? And she said, yes, I want raisins. She used to love raisins. I think she still loves raisins. And, uh, and, uh, and I went to the cupboard. Guess what? I gave her a fish. No, oh, of course not. I gave her anchovies. No, uh, I gave her seaweed. No, I gave her rice. No, I gave her what? Raisins. I didn't give her a rock. <laughs> hey, this looks like raisin. Here you go. And then uh, maybe you could chew on that. And I didn't, give her, uh, I, I, I didn't give her anything else but raisins. Why? Because she honestly asked me for raisins. That's what she wanted. And that's the simple, uh, profound truth of it all. When you ask God for something, God's not going to give you anything else but for the thing that you asked in faith. By the way, it has to be in God's will, amen? It has to be in God's timing, too. So don't get frustrated when God doesn't answer your prayer by tomorrow. Maybe God wants to work in your heart. And by the way, Abraham did not get his son. Hey, God, it was God who told him, hey, I will give you a son. But it took, it took him 25 years to get a son. And, uh, and he had to wait. Okay? But did God give him a son, yes or no? He did. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, let us never in any way question why it's not giving. But let us question our faith. Let us question our maybe impatience. And, uh, you know, if, if God has saved you, he's your heavenly father. And uh, as you know about parenting, as you know, if you had... You know, parents in your life, you know, uh, they have given you freely so many things. And that's how what our family father wants us to do, to trust him for all the things he has given us freely. And, uh, and he will provide for us anytime. All things work together for good. Uh, there's a story told of a wonderful elderly Christian lady. She had a very little money and lived in a rundown house, but she was always praising the Lord. And she had a very good attitude. Her only problem was with the old man who lived next door, a grumpy old man. And he was always trying to prove to her that there was no God, and he claimed to be atheist. And one day, as the old man was walking by her house, he noticed a woman through an open window. She uh, was kneeling down in prayer, so he kept crept over to the window to see if he could hear what she was praying. And she was praying along this line, Lord, you have always given me what I needed, she prayed. And now you know that I don't have any money. I am completely out of groceries, and I won't get another check for a week. And she continued, somehow, Lord, can you get me some groceries? And the man heard all she needed, and she crept away from that window, uh, uh, side of the window, and ran down to the grocery store. And he bought milk, bread, and lunch meat, and he ran back to the woman's house carrying the groceries. He set the bag down on her door and rang the bell and hid beside uh, another house. And you can imagine how the woman reacted to see the bag of groceries. And she threw her hands over her head and began praising the Lord. And she said, thank you, Jesus. And she shouted, I was without food, and you provided me groceries. About that time, the old man came. And jumped out, and he said, I got you now. I got you now. And she was too busy shouting and thanking Jesus to pay any, ten- to pay any attention. And he said, I told you there was no God, the old man said. I, it wasn't Jesus who gave you those groceries. It was me, you see. I had the receipt right here. Oh, no, the woman said confidently. Jesus got me these groceries and made the devil to pay for them. And, uh, you know, as we think about this illustration, I'm just saying, you know, God does miraculous things. And you just never know where the provision will come. You never know uh, how God will provide. And and not just in uh, uh, financial needs, I'm talking about, but in social need. And next you know, hey, that brother is uh, 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 wonderful with you. Maybe that person has forgiven you. And and maybe your marriage is uh, much better in communication. And, and God changes the heart of your spouse. And, hey, I'm just simply saying, all things are possible with God. Let us truly believe in him. Let us truly trust his provision. His purpose is there. His predestination is there. And also his provision is there. Don't doubt in the night what God has shown in the light. Don't doubt in the night what God has shown in the light. The word of God is supposed to be the land unto our feet and a light unto our path. You know, what we need to do sometimes is really we need to observe some light. The word of God. Observe the light of God, which is God's word, and claim his promises. Faith come up by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Trust in that, and look into God's word. Trust him. He has never made a mistake. He is sovereign over all. God knows what he is doing. God knows what he is doing. Whether that be good or bad, he has his purpose. He has his predestination so that you could be more like Jesus, and also He has His provision. He will never command you to do anything where He has, where He will not provide the provision to do so. If God wants you to witness, He will give you the power to witness. If God wants you to be a wonderful husband, godly husband, God will equip you to do so. If God wants you to tithe, God will provide for you to tithe. If God wants you to give to a mission, God will provide you to give, you, give to a mission. If God wants you to be faithful to church, God will give you that provision to be faithful to church. Hey, God will never in any way tell you anything to do where He will not empower you. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And there is nothing too hard for God. It's because, and The only reason why it's hard is because we have limited him due to doubt and due to unbelief. Let us trust, trust in him daily in his sovereignty.